Blog Talk Radio. my minions welcome you have stumbled across the number one internet sports talk show in the world between the hours of 9 a.m and 11 a.m and welcome also to our affiliate radio stations as well it is college football saturday as we do every saturday we're going to talk about some of the key games uh today as well uh, certainly notre dame uh, i've got dogs between my legs here so that's a whole nother story. We'll get into that here in just a minute. 917-889-8516 of our digits. When we get into the football box. As well as Martinsville, more than just a hot dog in Martinsville. And we're going down the championship line right now in NASCAR NFL. Week number eight is here. Ed Kratz, our official uh, contributor to the NFL. Our official NFL contributor and beat writer Philadelphia Eagles is going to be joining us. We're going to be breaking down some key games and I tell you what, it looks like the Houston Texans broke open the AFC South, especially as we look at how uh, Tennessee, we look at how uh, Indianapolis, we look at how uh, uh, Jacksonville is looking right now. It looks like right now that in the AFC South, we've got us a champion, but we don't know. We'll see what happens. And then also, World Series. How many people stayed up all night long to watch that marathon of a game the Dodgers won it bad and they got it uh, so they won last night and that uh, takes the series up 2-1 of course the Boston Red Sox we'll see what happens we'll get into that uh, conversation with Mo from the BS Sports Show also Mo's going to be talking about our betting line bloodlines where to put your money where not to put your money but where you need to put your ears at right now is right here 917-889-8516 my digits Myself and Rick Riggin, executive producer of the balance. We'll be right back with some college football talk. Well, we're supposed to also be standing by for Matthew Embry. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? 
Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at GoANG.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive-through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Welcome back to the ballots. My name is Tom Mark Wassell, President Day, uh, 917-889-8516. Let's get this party started. Mr. Rick Riggin, executive producer of the ballots, joins us and uh, going to be talking some college football with us. But first of all, how is you, sir? Pretty good, Tom. How about yourself? Oh, fantastic. Are we ready? Uh, i tell you what, no, we'll get into this big game today, but Notre Dame-Navy, obviously a uh, win or loss, always a big uh, uh, matchup, almost a rivalry. Maybe we won't call it as good, big of a rivalry as Army-Navy, uh, but certainly a, a game that has a long history uh, with the, the Fighting Irish, and we're going to get into those games here in just a second. Halloween this next week, what do you got? what do you got going on? I'm uh, just going to dress as myself and scare away all the kids. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can hold your monster can up and say, "I'm yeah, basically a yeah." <laughs> I'm I'm a I'm a monster. That's for sure. Well, I'm you know our the last time we talked, I was in my 40s. Now I'm in my 50s. Life is changing at a whirlwind pace. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. 
But uh, yeah. and uh, I'm not even quite uh, there yet. I'm not even quite forty just yet. So I got I got a little bit to go. <laughs> I'm less than a year away though from forty. I mean, I turned forty uh, in August. So I'm just going to enjoy these uh, last few months but, in my thirties here. <laughs> I, I don't know that we would we would definitely define you as a millennial, but you're right on the cusp, I guess. I have researched that and. 79, so I, I'm Generation X, and then my wife, the millennials, are, for what I see, millennials from 1980 to year 2000, so I call her a millennial, and we argue, and she gets really mad. You know, I got <laughs> friends that are born 1980, and uh, it, it makes them mad to know when I call them millennials, you know, but Generation X, hey, 1979. They, they hate it. They hate it. That's for sure. Now, so you recently saw the movie Halloween. Now, is that like a remake of the of the old Halloween with Michael Myers and all that? Well, it, it's confusing if you want to go watch it. I mean, it, it's a it's probably the best Halloween movie. It's really good. But what it is, it's actually the sequel to. It, this is this the the uh, the confusing part. It's actually the sequel to the first one in 1979. It's like all the other Halloween movies they've done so far don't even exist. Like they never even happened. And this movie is the uh, sequel to the original movie. So it, it's really good. Well, well, let's get into this college football talk, uh, Rick. I'm going to let you for about five minutes just give us a preview, of, or maybe not even that long, just a preview of what games we're going to be talking about. We'll break them down here in just a second. I got a, I'm, I'm, I'm multitasking as I mentioned. I have two dogs right here. I don't here even know what games we're going to talk about. <laughs> I don't have okay, those notes. I sent them to you yesterday. <laughs> you know what? You are so fired. 917-889-8516 is our digits. Help Rick out if you want to. Rick, I know you know so much about Notre Dame and Navy. I know you know about Florida and Georgia. I know you know enough to talk for about two minutes. All right. All right. All right. Don't go handle your business. I got it. <laughs> All right. So we got Notre Dame Navy today, and this game's taking place out in San Diego, which is really cool. All the naval stations, you got Camp Pendleton out in San Diego. So it's actually – uh, I, I can't remember how it how it's done if Notre Dame is actually considered the home team, but it should be Navy is the home team. See, it didn't even but, take uh, two minutes. A, oh my goodness, took thirty seconds. Now, now you cut me off. I gotta finish now. No, go right ahead. <laughs> we, we need you now, to finish. It's really I mean, you're back now. We go ahead, go ahead and talk Notre Dame Navy. <laughs> well. That's on the list, but we want to keep teasing anchors away in uh, Notre Dame victory uh, March. But I tell you what, one of the biggest games of the of the weekend, I think, really with a lot of what we would call key implications. So we'll start with the Florida uh, Georgia game. Do I think Georgia will win? Yes, but Florida has been on a tear since they beat Kentucky. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on with these Georgia Bulldogs. Well, I mean, they uh, just lost so much of their talent from last season. They're not quite the same team they were last year. Uh, that loss, that big loss to LSU, uh, man, that really set them back. And uh, I, I think this game, a lot of experts are picking Georgia in this game, but I think this game is going to be, like, extremely close. I think Georgia's like a touchdown favorite or so. Uh, I think this game's going to be closer than that. If not, Florida actually gets a win. Well, yeah, absolutely, and we'll see how that how that plays out because I tell you what, it is going to be a, a big, big 
game. It's it's always a tough it's always tough to gauge rivalry games, Rick. And we're going to talk about. I don't know if we want to call uh, Notre Dame Navy a rivalry game, but we certainly want to talk about the history about it. But certainly, when we talk about rivalry games, it's always tough to gauge them. And certainly, this is definitely one of them uh, with with uh, Florida and Georgia. Uh, when it comes down to the offense, can find the most uh, offensive balance. Both defenses will load up uh, to stop the run, which is key uh, to. to to both teams on, on a victory uh, today. So really, I guess it comes down to uh, who do you trust more in the passing game? Uh, 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 Jake Fromm or Felipe uh, uh, Franks? I'm going by memory there, so I, you know me, I always screw up the names. Uh, but, well, that's uh, right. You nailed it. Good job. Well, man, I'm getting, I, instead of losing my memory in my old age, I'm gaining my memory in my old age. Uh, but uh, – you know, I'll side with the guy that uh, led us team to the national title all, all day long. Well, yeah, you, you act, actually hit the nail on the head just a second ago. And name of quarterbacks, who do you trust more, Jake Fromm or Felipe Franks? And the answer is uh, Jake Fromm. Uh, Felipe Franks hasn't showed anybody in the country just yet. This past two seasons, he's been at Florida, has been their quarterback. Uh, that you can trust him, that you can put the game on his shoulders. And uh, he could take the team down the field and get a you know a late drive, a game put together, a game winning drive. So that's the question you have with Felipe Franks because he hasn't shown that yet. Jake Fromm has done that. Jake Fromm did that against Notre Dame last year at Notre Dame. Jake Fromm did that a couple times last year. And if it wasn't for a Tua Tagovailoa, Jake Fromm would be a national champion right now. Uh, Jake Fromm has proven that he he can carry the team. Uh, Felipe Franks uh, just doesn't seem like he's quite there yet. Uh, so, if you want to make the game come down to that, uh, it's going to be Georgia gets a close win. Well, the spread seven and a half. It's at home. It's going to be a fist fight. You got to go with the home game. Well, it's I say it's at home. It's not technically at home. I think they're playing in Atlanta. Am I right about that? I think so. Uh, I not, believe it's I'm, in Orlando. And you know, it's a good rivalry game when it has its own name. You know, the oh, world's largest cocktail party. The world's largest cocktail party. Why didn't we get an invite to that, Rick? I wish. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got to go with Georgia on this one. Uh, are, are you saying that you, that you think that the Gators have a, uh, a fighting chance? I would say they do. I'm going to pick Georgia also, but Florida did beat LSU. So it, it's, one of, it, it's one of those weird things. It's, it's a tough game to pick for me, actually. Uh, Georgia was – Dominant enough on defense to stop LSU, and they beat LSU. And we saw we see how good LSU is this year. Uh, Florida beat LSU, so here's another one of them games for uh, uh, for Florida. So I, I think Georgia gets a close win. I think Georgia is just a little bit better, especially at the quarterback position. And I think that's the difference in this game. Well, let's talk about the other uh, team down there in Florida before we move over to Notre Dame and Navy today. Uh, we've got the Florida State and Clemson. Clemson, obviously Clemson favored 17.5 on the spread on this. It, it doesn't take much to see what we've seen without uh, Jimbo Fisher down there uh, in Florida in Seminole land that they are, well, we'll call it a rebuilding year, Rick. Uh, but certainly you got the, the Clemson uh, uh, Tigers. Uh, you know, I don't think very many people are picking uh, Florida State to win this, especially with the spread being 17 and a half. No, and th- that whole program is just uh, under rebuild. I mean, from culture, from a culture standpoint, <laughs> to their play style. I mean, a- every aspect of it's in a rebuild. So, uh, 
you can't take anything from Florida State this year and, and – and, or – that was who, how am I trying to word this? You know, what Willie Taggart's trying to do, it's, it's not really an indictment on how Florida State is going and what type of coach Willie Taggart is when he's trying to change an entire culture right now. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt uh, this year, give him a pass on this season because, uh, you know, Jimbo just kind of left Florida State high and dry for Texas A&M. And uh, Willie Taggart's got to, even though he kind of did the same thing at Oregon, but Taggart's got to, He's got a long road ahead of him at Florida State, and I know that fan base is going to be really short with him. Uh, they're already calling for him to be uh, fired. or You know how it goes in college football. So, But it, it's going to be a big blowout today. Uh, I didn't think Clemson would take care of NC State last week in the way the way they did. I thought that might be a halfway decent game. So if it's anything like last week's game for Clemson, uh, it, it's going to be – what what what'd you say the spread was seventeen? Just go ahead, and just double that. Seventeen. And that's what the about, yeah, Florida State has seventeen. Well, let's talk a little yeah, bit about just, the Big Ten. Just go double ahead. that, and that's probably what Clemson win by today. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Big Ten. Obviously, one of the biggest uh, elephants in the room, Ohio State, uh, getting beat by Purdue last week. They take on Michigan this week. That's going to be, you know, I've said all year long, I still think Jim Harbaugh's overpaid, overrated. Uh, But one of the things we've got to look at, the Michigan Wolverines are winning games at a time when they need to win games. And let's face it, Ohio State, uh, as as I mentioned to you last night in the text, is looking a lot like uh, Urban Meyer's team, anyways, looking a lot like Urban Meyer's team did before he left Florida. I think uh, Urban Meyer's days are numbered, and certainly if they win to, if Michigan wins today and Ohio State loses, it's going to boot them right out of any talk about the playoffs. And I think we've seen the end of the Urban Meyer era in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, I think. Any type of talk about the playoffs should be over with Ohio State right now. I know they're sitting in the 11th spot. They have one loss. I think that's the only team outside the top ten right now that actually has a shot at the playoffs. Uh, but that's, that's a big, long shot. They're going to beat Michigan at the end of the year. Obviously went out. They're going to win the Big Ten championship. And then they're going to need help from the teams above them to lose some games and, and get knocked down below what Ohio State's ranked now. So, they're going to win out. They're going to need a lot of help. Uh, I just don't think, you know, losing Nick Bosa this year the way they did, he got hurt. Now he's completely left school. Uh, that's your best defender, and already that takes you out of any title hopes. He was their best defender. Uh, that defense has just fallen apart since his departure. So they still could have been a playoff team without him. But a title contender, I I don't think so at all. But then look at the running game also. Their running game is just way underperformed this year. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, is, I I would still say, is probably one of the most talented running backs in the country, and they just cannot block for him. They cannot run the football. And they're putting too much on, on their quarterback, uh, Dwayne Haskins. Uh, Haskins had 74 pass attempts last week against Purdue. Uh, to put that into, into perspective, Tua Tango-Vailoa with Alabama has had 73 pass attempts for the entire season. So you combine all that, that's just not that's not a playoff contender anymore. Even if they went out, they're still going to need help. So uh, them losing that game hurts the Big Ten really bad. Well, you know, and let's talk a little bit more about the Big Ten. I got to uh, obviously we want to go homer here in just a minute with IU and Minnesota. I certainly no uh, uh, playoff contentions in that game, but I want to talk about that. But one uh, uh, team that I, I 
obviously at the beginning of the season, I thought Penn State would be that number four team. That's not going to happen, but I have seen Iowa play some very good football. I've seen some Penn State play some very good football. Uh, while I respect Iowa's been able to, what they've been able to accomplish, uh, I, I, I still think Penn State's the better team. Uh, obviously, neither one of these guys we're going to be talking about in the playoffs, and, and I know we're going to get back into breaking rank coming on Wednesday. Well, really, after Halloween, it doesn't really, after Tuesday, I guess, it doesn't really matter uh, except for maybe 10 teams, and which is where we're going to turn our focus to. Not that the other teams doesn't matter, but, but certainly I think one of the teams that we'll be talking about, uh, even though they're, they're number 18, I mean, they're number 17 now, Penn State, but Penn State and, uh, and number 18, Iowa, I think the, the ones that we should pay the most attention to Still in the Big Ten outside of Ohio State is Penn State. Today we've got Ohio State, Penn State. Um, the spread is at six and a half at three thirty tonight on ESPN this afternoon. Well, when I look at the Big Ten right now, I, I see a handful of good teams, but not one great team. And uh, with, with that scenario, they basically just cannibalize each other, and they completely just eliminate themselves. The conference just eliminates itself from any type of a uh, playoff talk. So. Yeah, that's what the Big Ten is right now. It's a good conference, but it's not uh, its not a championship-winning conference by any means this year. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about IU Minnesota. Let's go Homer. Obviously, IU needs a win just for, the, for their help of getting to a bowl game, uh, which I think they, they still have an outside shot of, of, of doing that, but uh, – uh, they, they've not done themselves any favor here recently. But the good thing about it is that the Minnesota Gophers are definitely a, uh, a foe that I think they can handle that's going to help them check one more box to get to a bowl game. Well, that timeout game was last night. They lost that game. See, that's what happens when you stay up all freaking <laughs> night watching the freaking Dodgers. <laughs> All right. I don't know the final Thank score, you. but I know in the fourth quarter they were down. The Minnesota's up by a couple touchdowns, but I don't know the final. That, that I, final I, that I, game. I play. I play today. See, see, Rick, that's why I count on you, man. You are you are my <laughs> ying and you are my ying to my yang. That's for sure. Well, when you text me to talk IU Minnesota, <laughs> I'm assuming you already knew the game was on and you watching it, so or something like that. Dude, I tell you what, 18 innings of the Dodgers. We're going to get into that with Mo from the BS Sports Show here later on. Uh, certainly the, the probability of the Dodgers pulling out a, a World Series win is still very, very slim. But they proved last night they're willing to fight for it at home, and it was a long night. I most woke up this morning and said, are they still 46 playing? 46 different players playing that game. Eight, 18 pitchers to 46 different players, you said? Yes, sir. I had not seen that stat. That is incredible. You are now promoted to official statistician of the balance. <laughs> After all two stats, you know, that, that two and Dwayne Haskins stat, now this one. I mean, I'm full of stats today. Full of something today, that's for sure. Well, let's get into it. I was hoping that, that Matt from up in and uh, Notre Dame Radio Network would be joining us. Uh, he's probably got a lot going on, but it's a big game today. Uh, Notre Dame and Navy, a, a lot of history between the two teams. But let's talk a little bit about that, and then we'll get into the breakdown. Because I tell you what, I think Notre Dame is looking to run the table, uh, and certainly they have to uh, – each win is very important for them, especially consideration at all, and to being in the playoffs. Let's break down the X's and O's, the game of the week for the balance this week. Oh, I, I almost said Army-Navy. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for that, uh, Rick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Notre Dame – 
uh, Notre Dame Irish against uh, the Navy Midshipmen. Well, it's a. I think this is the 90th meeting or something like that. 90 years these two teams have been playing each other, so that's a. It's a long time. That's a pretty good rivalry. So you say you didn't want sure that's a rivalry game or not. It, it definitely is. Of course, well, Navy I don't they want a 43-game winning streak or something like that before Navy finally got their win. But Navy's kind of had their number the last few years. Well, Navy's a very good team. Well, most all of your service teams are very, very disciplined at the line. It's very, very hard. They don't get a lot of penalties called against them. And they just play good old-school fashion football uh, with all, without any of the trickery going on or anything like that. Uh, you got to like all this. Uh, we do. We support all of the service academies. Uh, but Navy certainly is one of those those tough teams. And, and and certainly you guys, uh, when I say you guys, I speak of Notre Dame because you're such a homer with Notre Dame. So I'm going to go ahead and throw you in there with you guys. Use what's a use? But uh, <laughs> but uh, you guys have have got to to not fall asleep against uh, Navy, even if it's uh, even if they only win by a field goal. Uh, Rick, a loss is going to be dramatically more important to the uh, Notre Dame Fighting Irish than it is to the Navy midshipmen. Yeah, well, it depends on what expert you listen to. A loss eliminates Notre Dame from any type of playoff talk or the other half of the experts saying one loss will still might get them in because since they have a tiebreaker, they won the head-to-head against Michigan, they'll still get in over Michigan. So, but who knows what the committee will do. I, I tend to side with if they lose, they're probably not making the playoff. So that's the way it's gone the last couple times. Last couple of years they've been in this playoff talks. They lose. They fall so far back out of the playoffs that there's not much time to make, make that up. But they do have a tiebreaker. They do have a head-to-head win against one of these teams in contention. So I don't know how that's going to play out. There's still five games left for the Irish to do. Uh, all they all they can uh, control is just winning football games and let everything else just sort itself out. Well, we don't have a lot of time left on the clock. I, I think I believe uh, Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest is going to be joining us uh, talking about NASCAR rolling into Martinsville. We're in the championship ride down there. I know he's in the mountains, so we'll just kind of keep talking football until he until uh, he calls in. Uh, but uh, so, but let's try to get the games in that we want to get. Another really big game that we've talked about uh, as far as getting love from the playoff committee, and that's uh, a number fourteen Washington State. They take on number twenty four Stanford. Um, Today, three and a half points. I had to double check that because now you got me doubting myself, uh, Rick. <laughs> I blame it on the Dodger. The Dodger hangover. Or maybe a real hangover. No, I don't have a hangover. I'm just kidding. Washington State uh, at number 24. Go ahead. No, I was going to jump in. I thought you might have been done. But, yeah, I'll just go ahead and jump in here. Uh, I, I think Washington State wins this game pretty easy. I, I could see Stanford and how their physical play can slow down Washington State, make this ball game maybe even still a victory here. But Stanford isn't the team. Everybody thought they they were at the beginning of the season. Uh, they are who they Washington thought State, we were. Yeah, definitely Washington State ain't the football team we thought they were at the beginning of the season because now they look like world beaters all of a sudden. So uh, I think Washington State can win this game, uh, wins this game pretty easily. But uh, I, I would like to see Stanford actually w- – get this big win, and here's the reason why, because I'm such a Notre Dame homer. Stanford still has a shot to win the Pac-12 title, and uh, in, in, in the ACC, Virginia Tech has a very, very small chance of winning the uh, 
ACC title somehow still with two or three, three losses now they have. If that happens, then Notre Dame would be the only team in the country to beat three conference champions. They would have beaten Michigan if they win the Big Ten, Stanford they won the Pac-12, and Virginia Tech if they win the ACC. That's why I want Stanford to win tonight. Well, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Let's talk a little bit about the, the highlights, if you will, of what uh, they just did a, let's call it a shellacking. No, let's just call it a straight-out ass-kicking uh, against uh, Baylor Bears. Not that Baylor's that good, but for West Virginia is that good, and they're a number 13 team. I don't know if it's going to move the needle that much, but when you look at a team that beats uh, Baylor 58-14 uh, to 14, uh, midweek when we don't have anything else to talk about, that's big news. Well, Baylor just hasn't been the program ever since Art Bryles and the whole uh, sexual assault and everything that he was covering up at Baylor and every, at Title IX and everything Baylor's gone through regarding that. Baylor's football program just hasn't been nowhere near the same. And all this win means for West Virginia the other night is the fact that they still got beat by Iowa State. So they're pretty much out of the playoffs. They can, they can beat Oklahoma this year, but uh, they, they don't have any shot. The only shot for the uh, Big 12 is uh, Texas and Oklahoma. Well, let's talk a little bit about Texas. They're number six. Uh, the, the spread's at three and a half at Oklahoma State. Uh, is uh, Sam Ellinger really ready to go? Texas says uh, he will start, but how effective will he be? We will find out, but this is going to be a good matchup between the Longhorns and the Sooners. I mean, between – Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, the Cowboys, Oklahoma State. Yeah, Cowboys. No, I, I got you. You're good. I, I, get, I, get, I, get, I, get, I get the two. Uh, I have the uh, Oklahoma dyslexic moments going on between the Cowboys right. and the Sooners. But I knew who well, I meant. That's a good point, you know. Well, Shane Bichelle and Sam Ellinger, the uh, quarterbacks of Texas, and you don't know who's going to start because Ellinger's a little beat, beat up. And uh, Shane Bichelle is actually very capable of leading the offense, but uh, it's not really a controversy going on. It's just been who's getting – who's been getting the reps this week and prepare in preparation for Oklahoma state, the offense could be a little sluggish. And if you, you know, you want to stick around and let Mike Gundy's team stick around, you know, they could pull off an upset here. And the most intriguing thing to me in this game is going to be the uh, uniforms and the jerseys Oklahoma state is wearing today. 30 years ago, the uh, Barry Sanders, uh, uh, Heisman trophy win. They're wearing the uh, Barry Sanders throwback jerseys today. So that's pretty cool. I saw that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Barry Sanders throwback jerseys. Well, hopefully it'll give them some uh, Barry Sanders speed, if you will. Uh, but uh, certainly uh, we'll see what happens. Both teams are going to have to lean on their defenses because they both suck on the offense. But that that said, that's been able to carry uh, Texas through uh, to a number six ranking. And certainly we're going to be talking about them uh, over the next couple of weeks. I still don't think they, they have any shot in getting into the playoffs, but stranger things, uh, stranger things have happened. Stranger things. I'm so ready to start back up again. Yeah, I don't think that's coming back out until next year. I think next Halloween or that week is when Stranger Things season three is actually coming out. That sucks. That is like one of the best shows, and I'm all caught up. Oh, I love it. I think it's cool though. You, you don't want to get oversaturated with it, you know. Like kind of like what the NFL's done football with Thursday and Mondays and everything they've done and with football. And you don't want these seasons to come out, like, too too quickly, too often. They feel rushed or not as good, and they get oversaturated. I think, you know, one season every two years is 
cool well, to me. They're, 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 when we see these uh, these kind of group of teenagers again, they're all going to have like beards and mustaches and everything. They're going to be adults. Get bears on the puberty and everything else now. So <laughs> you know, and, and, and uh, Seven's uh, going to look like a real woman. But as we remembered at the yeah, end of yeah. um, <laughs> at the end of the last episode. I, there's many more of them out there, so we will uh, we'll see where it takes us. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited about Stranger Things. We, we we digress sometimes, but 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 that's okay. You know, you got to have your binges, you got to have your vices. People say, "What do you? Oh, what, do you, what, do you what do you binge <laughs> on?" I'm like sports. <laughs> there's a there's yep. a couple shows like now. See, like I'm in on the Mayans. Did you did you ever watch uh, Sons of Anarchy? Uh, yeah, I've watched the first couple of seasons or some of the episodes in the first couple of seasons. I couldn't get into it. Uh, I know a lot of people loved it. I thought it was a good show. Uh, I, for some reason, I, I never did get into it. I was in the Breaking Bad. Anyway, that's my favorite all-time show. And well, I'm ready for the Walking Dead again. I'm sorry. I let, the, I let that out, didn't I? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, the sequel to that, Better Call Saul. I've not seen either one of those. I never really got into Breaking Bad, but the sequel to uh, the sequel to Sons of Anarchy is the Mayans. Well, we're going to have to let it go at that. Nine one seven eight nine eight five one six. If you want to hang around, Rick, in the background, and join us back on the NFL talk, uh, or if you want to uh, talk NASCAR, I highly doubt. But if you want to stick around, I'm going to be talking NFL here in about thirty minutes. So, what, what do you want to do, sir? Uh, I'm actually going to get out here and get my hair cut uh, once a week right after the show. I get it done, so I can't break the streak. <laughs> you got to get into your great, your great Clips app. All right, sir, we'll talk to you soon. Right. In, <laughs> all right, buddy, where, well, where can people find your work in Quasi Masterpieces, sir? At Riggin underscore Rick is where you can find me on Twitter from all my best rants and everything. So. <laughs> all right. All right, buddy, we'll talk with you soon. I'm quite certain of it. Rick Reagan, executive producer of The Balance, joins us, jumping on, talking some college football with us. Uh, Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, up in the mountains, was taking some time out to talk with us about NASCAR at Martinsville, and they're not there for the hot dogs. We'll be right back right here on The Balance Radio Network. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. 
It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. See the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? My name is Tom Marquisell, President Dave. Thanks to Rick Riggin, Executive Producer of the Balance, joining us talking some college football. Obviously talking about the big uh, Notre Dame uh, Notre Dame Navy game today as well, as well as some of the uh, the other games uh, going on this weekend. And joining us now, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty in NASCAR. Joining us now is Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest, calling us from up in the mountains. Man, I am jealous. How are you, sir? I'm doing well this morning. How about yourself? Never better. It's kind of a cold, brisk day, fall morning here uh, in Indianapolis. But other than that, uh, uh, we are surviving. So certainly a big, big race, a lot of implications, action-packed weekend in Martinsville. We'll get into a little bit of that. But Martinsville is a big race. It has a lot of history behind it. Obviously, the grandfather clock and hot dogs are what they're most known for. But this race... It has a lot of implications on who's in, who's out, and who we're going to see in Homestead. Yeah, over the last couple of years, this race, you know, it's for the round of eight. It's now the the kickoff for them. They've got three races. They've got a, you know, they have three chances to get into Homestead coming up. 
from Martinsville, it's one of those places that your day can be ended really quickly out there. But, you know, at the same time, with a, a damaged vehicle, we've seen damaged vehicles go, go to Victory Lane multiple times there, as well as places like Bristol. Um, you know, these, these are just, you know, the, the, the chrome horn style racetracks get up underneath somebody and, uh, you know, beat and bang them around a little bit. But for, you know, some of these drivers that have not been that good at, uh, Martinsville, you know, you take, a you take, uh, Eric Amarola or, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, you know, Chase Elliott in the last, I mean, he, he's gotten better over the last, I'd say year, um, this year and, um, he's gotten much better, but in the past he's not had a lot of success there. Um, so some of these drivers, their, their days, um, can be ended pretty quickly, um, and their playoff chances um, be sucked right down the drain um, coming out of Martinsville uh, tomorrow afternoon. Well, let's talk a little bit uh, maybe about the elephant in the room, if, if you want to call him an elephant, Kyle Busch. Uh, certainly Kyle Busch could repeat Martinsville's performance, and Kyle Busch won last fall at Martinsville and is the only one of the big three with a victory in the 2018 playoffs. <laughs> Yeah, Kyle Busch there at, at Martinsville Speedway has been somebody that, again, they've had very up and down. Uh, he's 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 always been traditionally better at a place like Bristol, but not as he's not driven as well at a place like uh, at Martinsville. So for him, I think he's got a lot of competition that he's got to get around. Uh, one of those is uh, Denny Hamlin, his teammate, who has won Martinsville multiple times. Uh, Denny Hamlin is trying to, uh, you know, uh, keep his uh, season, uh, at least one win per season streak alive. Um, if it's going to happen, it will most likely going to have to happen this weekend. But for Kyle Busch himself, uh, I think a, a lot for him is that if he can't win this race, he needs to go out there and just, you know, keep doing what he's doing because right now uh, he he's going to solidify himself into Homestead later this year. Um, but, you know, they've got three tough races he's got to get through, this one, Texas, and Phoenix, and uh, move on to Homestead. Well, let's uh, kind of go through the the uh, different series, if you will, kind of see where we're at. We'll start with the truck series. Obviously, some race uh, uh, trucking racing series, uh, GMS Racing extends deal with Timothy Peters. Timothy uh, Peters sent with GMS, GMS Racing in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series was supposed to end after three races, uh, and the last of those being October 13th. But uh, GMS Racing apparently likes what they see in Timothy Peters and is going let to let him stick around for a little bit. Well, Timothy is from out that way, right outside of Danville. Uh, so he's right down the road. He's run at South Boston for many years, been in the truck series for many years. He won the uh, late model race, the Valley um, Valley Star Credit Union 300 race, uh, just a year ago. So bringing him back at a place like Martinsville, somebody, somewhere where he's traditionally done very well, and GMS Racing has some, right now, probably some of the best racing equipment outside of a Kyle Busch Motorsports uh, in the truck series. Uh, so to bring him back after his win at Talladega, I think it was pretty interesting that, you know, that he, he, he hasn't gotten a call up to be put into a truck uh, each and every week. Uh, for him, uh, he, he can still win. He showed that at Talladega just uh, two weeks ago uh, when he uh, held the field off to, to win there uh, in this part-time effort. And for him to come back in Martinsville is, uh, you know, I think that some of this is, is a job interview for him. 
it shows that he can still win. He can, he can still compete in the truck series and some of these levels out there. And Martinsville was no better place than to put him back in a, in a truck, some place that he's won at, some place he knows how to get around very, very well. And also I think it's for, for GMS racing as a whole. They need a rookie there in, in their stable. They they have Johnny Slaughter there. Johnny Slaughter's a past series champion. He's looking like he may go on again to, to win the championship again here in 2018. But to get two veterans and two points of view for GMS racing, that just continues to make their program better uh, week in and week out. We're talking with Steve Wilson, uh, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, giving us a call from up in the mountains to talk with us a little bit about what's going on in Martinsville. Round of six in the Truck Series. Uh, the Truck Series is going to be the first race that we see today at 1 o'clock uh, down there in Martinsville. Uh, so we'll talk about, let's talk about the round of six. Johnny Souther, uh, Brent Moffitt, uh, Noah Gragson, uh, Grant Evinger, uh, Justin Haley, and Matt uh, Crafton, uh, two, uh, two Fords, uh, two Chevys and, uh, two Toyotas. So, uh, the mix is pretty, relatively simple there, but I think a lot of people are looking at Brent Moffitt to really kind of make a stand today in this round of six. Well, at Tory racing, those guys have, you know, worked this season on a shoestring budget for those guys. They've continuously sought out sponsorship throughout the entire year. Um, they, they moved with uh, Brett Moffat this year uh, after he was released and after uh, um, uh, Red Horse Racing shut down in the middle of 2017. Uh, Moffat lost his ride there. Uh, but, you know, Hattori Racing, even with the shoestring budget, they've been able to imagine, uh, uh, they've been able to manage multiple wins this season, putting them on a competition level with your GMS Racing. Um, they've got a lot of competition that they, uh, that they need to get around. They need to kind of figure some of those things out. They don't have the depth. They don't have the engineering that a GMS or Kyle Busch Motorsports has at this time, or even the Thor Sport. But Thor Sport, since moving over to uh, Ford, has, uh, you know, their, their performance level has dropped. Um, when they were in Toyotas, you, you could expect a Thor Sport to be, you know, in victory lane or top two, top three almost every single week. Matt Crafton would be at the top of the field uh, since they moved over to Ford. Um, they're, they're still they're struggling to with that program. They're still trying to figure that whole program out. And, you know, for them, uh, you know, it, it's going to be a struggle for Matt Kraft. And I think Crafton has an opportunity at Texas in, in next weekend to go to victory lane and solidify himself to to uh, a homestead at the end of the year. But as far as their program as a whole, they're still struggling just a little bit, just as uh, Grant and figure, um, you know, while, while they've, they're they in this round right now, they're, they're going to have to bump up their performance if they want to continue to move on. Uh, but as far as Brad Moffitt getting back to him, uh, I'm pretty surprised with, you know, the limited resources that Hattori Racing has put together this year, the lacking of sponsorship for them on the side of that truck each and every week. Um, and they've been able to manage and pull out some of these uh, some of these wins against these uh, you know uh, crown jewel teams out there with more resources, more money. Um, you know, if they can survive the next week or two, this weekend at uh, Martinsville, the next weekend at Texas, I think they have a good opportunity that they may be able to go to uh, Homestead. Will they win the championship? I don't know. Anything can happen, but you know, and especially with what they figured out on this limited budget. 
but uh, I, I think it's somebody as an underdog. I think it's somebody that everybody has to take a look at and everybody is rooting for, especially, you know, in the face of uh, David Werther's Goliath. And this is what uh, Brett Moff is when compared to a GMS or a Kyle Busch Motorsports at this time. Well, we'll see what happens. I know all eyes are on him, and certainly at Martinsville, uh, all eyes are definitely on him. Let's let's get on over into the Xfinity Series. Uh, before we, we get into some of that, uh, Richard Childress Racing has been hit with an L1 level level one uh, penalty after the Xfinity race at Kansas. The number 21 uh, Chevrolet, driven by Daniel Hemrick, was found to be too low in the ra- in the in the post race inspection. NASCAR penalized the team on Wednesday, docking uh, uh, the number 10 driver owner points and suspending the crew chief, Danny Stockman, for one race. Stockman has also been fined $10,000. With that penalty, Hemrick falls to second in the playoff standings behind Elliott Sadler. Hemrick now has a 13-point advantage on the cutoff line instead of 23 points. Thoughts? Yeah, these low vehicles have, you know, been a source of contention over the last year or two, ever since these ride height rules have been readjusted multiple times. Uh, you know, we've had minimum ride height rules. We've had no ride height rules. Uh, we've bounced back and forth between them. Uh, you know, NASCAR does a pretty good job in, in, in trying to police this, and everybody is trying to get on the same level. The one thing that I kind of, you know, I feel is, is that these cars – you know, when it comes to hype, is too, they're too low to the ground. They try and slam these cars straight to the pavement and run at the minimum ride height rules that they're required to run at. Um, you know, while the chassis is, you know, the chassis runs at the minimum ride height rule and the body actually runs almost slammed all, all the way to, to, to the pavement. Um, you know, they're doing this for, you know, performance and drag and downport performance improvements. But at the same time, I think uh, racing has suffered to some degree into that. I think if we can get these cars off the track some more, go back to a a true minimum ride height rule where both the chassis and body have to be off the track uh, like we saw years ago, I think we could see, you know, better and closer racing because there's more drag and less performance into these cars. They're not cutting the air. They become more of a box. Uh, And I think that helps. uh, I think that helps the racing, to be honest with you. But for them... You know, it sucks for them because 10 points, we've seen 10 points in uh, this playoff already ruin other people's chances and kick them below the line. Um, and, you know, the motorsports, they've appealed, you know, over at Penske, they appealed. Um, they didn't get that, they get those points back. And, you know, that suffered for, you know, uh, you know, to Penske racing already this playoff. So every team has to be very considerate as to, you know, where where these cars are. The one thing I will say is, you know, NASCAR, you know, when they when they fail rod height rules or they fail the minimum uh, height rules and post-race inspection, NASCAR tears these cars down to make sure that there hasn't been damage to something in the vehicle, such as the suspension or uh, another component that has failed uh, immaturely or failed because of damage. And a lot of times, you know, if 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 they have not if they have failed. Uh, immaturely or because of damage um, caused it an accident, then, you know, those those penalties typically sometimes um, never come down the pipeline because, you know, they're, they're through no fault of the team, they're no f- fault of the driver, and they're no fault of, you know, the engineers building the race cars uh, and sending them to the racetrack. So, you know, NASCAR is very aware of this. They understand that, you know, NASCAR, uh, that racing is a performance sport in which you can get in an accident and, uh, 
and have damage caused to your vehicle through no uh, fault of your own, which can fail apart, and then you can fail because of minimum uh, because of uh, height rules. Um, so they're, they're, they they watch these things. They're 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 aware of these things. But you know, I just go back to the ten points. Ten points has already hit somebody this playoffs and knocked their chances out. Um, it, it could happen again, and every team has to be very aware of these points. We're talking with Speed Wilson of Speedway Digest, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor. Obviously, Xfinity off until November uh, November 3rd, I believe, yeah, November 3rd, uh, where well, they'll be out in Texas. And certainly, we're in the round of eight with them. The line uh, ends at Chris, uh, Christopher Bell, uh, number four, number three, Tyler Redrick, uh, number two, Daniel Hemrick, as we just talked about, and number one, as we just talked about, Elliot Sadler below the line, uh, Matt Tipp, Justin Algeiger, Cole Custer and Austin Cedric. I would think in this particular case, we just talked about the penalty that just happened, uh, that Daniel, Daniel Hemrick is ready to get out there on the track and prove that he's worthy of a championship. Um, yeah, he, he is. I mean, he's come close a couple times this season to, to going to victory lane. He had a chance just last weekend, but unfortunately, you know, those those that chance went derailed. Um, for him, he's still searching for that win, but he's put together performance. And, you know, one of the things that the playoffs are supposed to be about is, you know, performance and uh, winning races instead of consistency. But there always seems to be one driver every year that has figured out the consistency part of this where they may not win a race or they may not win very many races, but they, they, they figure out that they can um, get to the top of the food chain or top of the food point, I mean, top of the point system. Uh, and Daniel Hemrick has been that driver. He's figured it out this year where wins for him have not meant, um, you know, staying in, getting into the playoffs and staying into the playoffs. Um, and I think he, you know, that consists of, it, it's another situation with Ryan Newman. Ryan Newman went all the way to Homestead one year in the Cup Series, never winning a race. Uh, and he finished second in that race. So, um, you know, he, he had the potential that he could have won the, the championship by being the second-place finisher had not somebody, had another playoff driver that finished in front, in front of him with no wins. Um, Daniel Hemrick seems to be maybe he's that driver this year in the three series that has figured this whole consistency out aspect of it. And, you know, I, 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 it doesn't matter to me whether you win zero races, one races, or ten races a year. Um, you know, this is a season-long thing, and you, know, you have to look at the long game, and maybe that's what Daniel Hemrick and those guys at Richard Schultz Racing are doing right now is looking at that long game. Let's talk a little bit about uh, let's talk a little bit about Clint Boyer. Uh, bad, all those uh, ugly wins, if you want, all of those uh, not so stellar run, if you will, definitely ugly. Whatever you want to attach to his win, Clint Boyer used all of those descriptions in his drive from the Hollywood uh, Casino 400 at Kansas Speedway. After which he advanced into the semifinal round of the playoffs, just seven points. Boyer started 14th, finished 13th, and spent much of the afternoon. Sliding up and down the leaderboard, Clint Boyer. What say you? Um, Clint Boyer's in a little bit of trouble if he can't figure it out this weekend at Martinsville and next weekend at Texas. He, Boyer won back in the spring here at Martinsville. Uh, he has a potential that he's got a lot of race notes that he can do this all over again. But again, there's some there's a lot of tough competition when you come to a place like Martinsville. 
you have to get around somebody like Denny Hamlin. You have to get around somebody, uh, Chase Elliott, who's started to improve. He won last week at Kansas. Uh, he's a driver that late in the season, he, he we may not be talking about the same big three uh, this late in the season. Turex has faltered a little bit. Elliott seems to maybe taking over that spot from uh, Truex. Um, but, you know, Clint Boyer, he, he's going to have to figure it out because he's almost at the bottom of that eight point or they round of eight. Um, he needs a win. He needs a lot of stage points, and he needs to do it not only this week, but next week. He can't. He cannot wait to go to Phoenix. Um, I don't think he's not like Kevin Harvick, which is uh, both at Dover and Phoenix before when the when the time came down to it and he had to win. Kevin Harvick was able to win uh, at, at Phoenix and Dover uh, in separate occasions to continue his uh, ch- his chances for a championship. Um, as far as Clint Boyer, I don't think he's strong enough right now. I think the team is strong enough. I think Stuart Hart Racing as a whole is strong enough. But Clint Boyer, I don't think that when the, you know, for him uh, going to Phoenix and having to be in a win or, or, or you know, win and get in uh, scenario, um, I, I just don't think the whole package is right now. So he needs to get as many points not only this week but next week as possible, as well as maybe even going back-to-back this season at Martinsville and just locking himself into Homestead. Well, here we go. Martinsville is uh, tomorrow. Uh, we're in the round of eight. Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex Jr., Chase Elliott, uh, Clint Boyer, as we just talked about, Joey Logano, uh, Kurt Busch, or Eric Armadala. Looks like uh, Ford is the pretty dominant uh, manufacturer, but at the end of the day, on the number one slot is the one Kyle Busch. As we know very much about Kyle Busch, he's in it to win it. The other one that you have to keep your eye on is in the other Toyota, Martin Truex Jr. So as we go into tomorrow in the round of eight, what shakes out on the other end, sir? Well, I, I, I just think, you know, both, um, Ford has not been as dominant there at um, – Martinsville over the last couple of years, Ford has seemed to be the most dominant this year, and Stuart Haas Racing definitely has led that, you know, banner for Ford with Penske running right behind them, nearly neck and neck. Um, But uh, Toyota and Chevrolet have been traditionally the ones that have done the best, and Chevrolet has done even better at a place like Martinsville. Uh, We've had Jimmy Johnson win there on many, many occasions. We've had Jeff Gordon win there on many, many occasions. Dale Jr., uh, Tony Stewart. You you pick a Chevrolet driver, and they've won at that truck. Don't count out some of those Chevrolet drivers. Don't count out Chase Elliott maybe going again, uh, a a two-time winner, you know, again, coming back and winning this weekend. Uh, I think Hendrick is very strong there. They have some of the best finishes there outside of Richard Petty Motorsports. So for them, watch out for some of their drivers from that aspect. Kyle Busch and Denny Hamlin are your two drivers over at uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. You've got to watch both of them. Hamlin, a multi-time winner there in uh, various different series, not only in the Cup Series, but in the uh, late models out there. For for uh, Kyle Busch, uh, he just won out there, um, uh, but a year a year ago. Um, so I think there's a potential that there's a lot of drivers that can mix some of this stuff up out there, and uh, you know either lock themselves in the homestead or spoil somebody's chances. In the case of Denny Hamlin, if he wins, he's going to take away one of those win slots going into homestead. 
Well, we'll see what happens. Obviously, it's all for for the uh, for the uh, grandfather clock and the hot dogs. I know you wishing that you had yourself a Martinsville hot dog this time in the morning. Uh, yeah, I wish I had a whole bag of them. <laughs> oh, and they even got shirts this year. They got a Martinsville shirts this year. Oh wow! Well, there you go. So uh, your trip up in, your trip up to the mountains. How's that working out for you this weekend? Uh, it's a rainy and it's cold, just like it is in Martinsville. So uh, I'm not I'm, I, I I I get the same experience as everybody in Martinsville today. There you go, uh, Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest. Appreciate you joining us. Where can people find your work and your masterpieces, sir? You can follow us on Twitter at Speedway Digest and SpeedwayDigest.com. Uh, thanks a lot. Talk to you next week. All right, All right buddy. Have a good one. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. 
When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Welcome back to the balance. One hour in the books. One hour to go. Let's get into this NFL talk here in just a moment. Thanks to Rick Riggin, executive producer of the balance, joining us for some college football talk, breaking down some big college games. Obviously, one of the biggest biggest ones today is Notre Dame and Navy. So we talked a little bit about that, and had Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest calling us from the mountains. Uh, he's not at the Martinsville race, but Martinsville is this weekend. And as we a key race as we get down to the championship uh, run for Homestead and then the NASCAR championship playoffs. But joining us now, the one, the only, Mr. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and our official NFL contributor, uh, beat writer for standby, the sports exchange, www.footballmaven.io slash Eagles. Ed, how are you, sir? <laughs> Good morning, Tom. Thanks for thanks for nailing that. I thought you were gonna Colin Kaepernick me there. Colin Kirkpatrick. Oh man, me. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Colin Kirkpatrick. <laughs> Colin Kirkpatrick. I tell you what, my, I, I'm going blind. I, I, I last last week on the show, I was in my 40s. This week, I'm in my 50s. The life life has changed for me dramatically. <laughs> I, 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 welcome to the club, Thomas. Welcome to welcome the club. To, uh, happy belated uh, birthday to you. I know I wished you one on. Uh, I texted you one, but I hope you had a good yeah. day. Oh, we did. Had a great, had a great. Yeah, had a great time. A lot of good food and all that good stuff. This uh, NFL talk, obviously a big game on Thursday. I think we saw clearly who uh, who's the dominant team in the AFC South. But before we get to that big trade with Oakland and Dallas, and that's Amari Cooper, I think that's one of the players a lot of people were looking at. I, I was kind of hoping, fingers crossed, that he would end up here in Indianapolis, but he did not. He ended up in Dallas. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that trade. Why do you think Oakland uh, traded him? It, uh, this does, it just seemed like maybe it was a – was it a bad fit for Oakland? Because, I mean, let's face it, Amari Cooper would be welcomed by any team. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, former number one pick. But, uh, you know, I, John Gruden's just having a fire sale. It doesn't seem like anybody's really a good fit under Gruden there in Oakland. Um, you know, he obviously got rid of Khalil Mack to start the year. And now Amari Cooper, uh, I guess the one knock on Cooper is, is he? I think he led the league in drop passes uh, the last couple of years. So, you know, he does have those issues of not, you know, being a reliable pass catcher. But, you know, he gives you length down the field. He he uh, he could get open. Uh, and, and he's dangerous. You know, he had a couple hundred-plus yard receiving games this season. And uh, Dallas needed a wide receiver. A lot of teams need a wide receiver. You mentioned the Colts. They, they could have used them. And so could have the Eagles. But uh, Cowboys really needed a receiver. They had nobody. They needed another weapon for Dak Prescott. Teams were starting to kind of crowd the box a little with uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Um, so now they have that weapon, and, and we'll see how he does in Dallas. I suspect he's going to do pretty good. 
Uh, and then if you look at it from Oakland's standpoint, they got three number one picks now in the draft next year. So Gruden's going to get his players. He's tearing this thing down. He wants his own players. And uh, next year he'll have a chance to, to get some of those with three first-round picks. And we'll see how he does it. It seems to me like John Gruden is uh, still coaching the way that John Gruden did back when he coached before. Uh, things have changed. Times yeah. have changed. But I think uh, Dak Prescott certainly uh, would be happy. I mean, uh, saying that the Dallas Cowboys have struggled at the wide receiver position is a bit of understatement, Ed, at uh, uh, three and four Cowboys hope right. to have remedied their woes after trading for the uh, former uh, wide uh, I'm sorry, Raiders uh, wideout uh, Amari Cooper has got to have yeah, uh, Zach Prescott pumped. And go ahead, yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I was going to say, you know, in that NFC East is still kind of a wide open uh, race. So, you know, he could be one of the difference makers uh, as we head down to the second half uh, of the season this year. And then I saw something, Tom, on I think it was on Twitter, where you know, now that Gruden has three first round draft picks, he can trade them all away for an elite pass rusher. <laughs> You know, after getting rid of Khalil Mack, obviously, but you know, yeah. that's been one of their troubles in Oakland. You know, among many troubles they've had in Oakland is getting pressure on the quarterback. Well, uh, let's hope that that uh, Cooper does good for Dallas, and he's maybe their their messiah, if you will, because I got a feeling if if Dallas can't put something together, and if Dallas misses the playoffs, uh, Jason Garrett's days at uh, the Dallas Cowboys are numbered. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree. In fact. Jerry Jones uh, is normally, you know, he can't help talking to the media, but he didn't talk to the media following Sunday's loss, um, you know, against uh, the Redskins. And then he canceled his uh, normal, I guess it's his Monday or Tuesday radio show in Dallas. And everybody kind of speculated that, geez, maybe he's getting ready to, to can uh, Jason Garrett here. Uh, that, that's what everyone kind of thought, but it turned out that he was, you know, pulling the strings on the Cooper trade. So, yeah, I think Garrett's definitely on the hot seat. I mean, they, they missed the playoffs again, and, uh, you know, that's just another year gone by to where they haven't made the playoffs, and you, you really have to make a move there, and I, and I think he would. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, the hot seat got a little hotter for Garrett with the acquisition of Cooper. Well, we, let's uh, talk a little bit about Thursday's game in the AFC South. Obviously, uh, uh, a team, the Texans, a team that we follow quite quite extensively here in Indianapolis. Uh, but uh, certainly on Friday morning, uh, Tess confirmed that Texans Warriors, the wide receiver Will Fuller, suffered a season-ending torn ACL and will be placed on injured reserve. Uh, Bill O'Brien announced it's got to hurt. But on the same token, they blew open. Uh, they... they uh, they had a huge win against uh, the uh, the Dolphins. I'm sorry, I had a brain fart there for a second. 42-23 uh, on Thursday. But I've clearly showed that they are the strongest team in the AFC South uh, with uh, uh, some close seconds. Uh, Jacksonville, Tennessee, and, and believe it or not, a huge – even people say it was only the Bills. Well, it was a big win for Indianapolis, and if they could get a win against the Raiders, which is entirely possible, I mean, that that gap between first and second is going to shrink even more so. But I think, I think clearly the uh, the Texans are the best team in the AFC South. Would you agree? Well, they've won five in a row, right? After losing their first three, they've won five straight and uh, playing with a lot of confidence to Sean Watson. You know, the amazing thing about that game is he only threw 20 passes. Um you know, and five of them went for touchdowns. Uh, so he was 16 for 20 over 200 yards, but five touchdowns. And that's just amazing. Uh, you know, that's good work by him, but it's also terrible work by the Miami Dolphins secondary. I mean, I, 
you know, some of those passes were wide open. You know, even at 50 years old, Tom, you probably could have completed some of those uh, throws that uh, Watson was making because those guys were so wide open. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think they are probably the best team. J.J. Watt now quietly has eight sacks. You know, he's back after missing last year with, the, I guess it was the back injury. He's got eight sacks, and that defense is really playing well. So, uh, yeah, right now you kind of have to say that the Texans are beginning to get a little separation uh, between them and the rest of that AFC South. You look at, uh, you know, a Jaguars team that plays the Eagles uh, on Sunday morning, and, you know, they're sitting at three and four. They're kind of at a crossroads uh, in their career. The Titans, I believe, are also three and four. Um, but they're they're struggling uh, to keep Mariota upright. He's been getting sacked an awful lot. And, and then the Colts, you know, you, any win in the NFL is a good win. I don't care who it comes against, you know, whether it's the Bills or uh, whoever. Um that's a win, and you know they are again the Bills or the culture a team that as the season goes on, you kind of expect them to get better because they're a young team. They want to get better. They're playing for a coach that they like to play for, uh, and, and you know maybe as the season goes on into the second half, the Colts get a few wins and you know maybe put some heat on the Texans. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But right now, it does look like Houston uh, is is the clear front runner in that division. My biggest question to you is, why are you not calling me from across the pond? <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, thank goodness. That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been to London before. It's not a bad city. It's not a bad city. Yeah, well, I have, too. I have, too. I'm not a big fan I... of food. I'm not a big not a fan, fan of, of food other than chips. the fish and chips. Well, I like fish and chips, but, you know, you can only eat fish and chips, you know, once for me, once a week. I can't eat them, you know, three times a day. Uh, but, yeah, the food. <laughs> so the food's a well, big issue for me. Let's talk a little bit. Let's digress a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about the NFL in London. I, it seems to be huge. I mean, uh, very huge. This is, I think, and I could be wrong about this, but this is the first year that I remember them doing back-to-back games in London. Uh, Jacksonville seems to be very, very favored there in, uh, in, in London. Uh, you know what they do when there's not a soccer game going on, they actually air American NFL TV there and they sell it out every single week, uh, for all of the games. So, I mean, I think it's cool because, you know, you get to start watching uh, football at nine 30 in the morning, but let's talk, let's talk a little bit about the Eagles, the Jacksonville Jaguars, but also, the NFL is seriously considering an expansion team to London, if not one, maybe two. I don't know that I'm a big fan of it. Maybe that's the Homer American in me. I think that American football should stay right where it's supposed to be. They're never going to compete in the market space or the, or the economic space with the European football or soccer, as we call it here. I, I think that, that these cameo games out there once a year or even every other year is fine, just like in Mexico. But I don't know that having an expansion team to London – I don't know. I, I'm just not a big fan. What are your thoughts, though, about that? Do you think that, that it's uh, it's good for the NFL or bad for the NFL? Well, I, I think Roger Goodell really wants to have a, a franchise or two in London. Uh, I really think that's kind of where he wants to leave his stamp and his legacy before he retires is he wants to put a franchise or two in London. I mean, that's really, to me, that's what Goodell wants. I mean, he, he went on the NFL Network this morning and said that he would like to have a Super Bowl played in London, but I don't think you can do that unless you have a team there. I'm not sure, you know, you would want to have a Super Bowl there without 
uh, an NFL team being there. So, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars owner, uh, Khan, I think his name is Shaka Khan. It's not Shaka Khan, but his last name's Khan, I believe. <laughs> he, he wants to. Yeah, Shaka Khan. My understanding is, you know, he wants to bring his franchise over to uh, London. Um, but. You know, is it really that big of a, uh, a challenge for the road trips? It, it might be. I, you know, it's funny. I talked to Michael Bennett, the Eagles defensive end in the locker room for a while this week. And, you know, he was he, – Michael Bennett loves to talk. He just doesn't like to talk about football. Uh, but he'll talk about anything. <laughs> and, I asked, and I asked him if he would play for a franchise uh, if it was in London. And he said, sure, why not? And I said, well, what about the time travel? And, you know, or, you know, not the time travel, but – you know, all the travel, <laughs> the five-hour time difference. <laughs> One million gigabytes. <laughs> yeah, right. All we need is a big enough uh, DeLorean we can all fit in and go back in time, like back to the future. But, uh, no, he, so, you know, Bennett was saying, yeah, he would love to do that. He said, I would like to play over there. He goes, he goes it would be nice if there were two teams, though, that, you know, they could be in the same division and, they, you know, that would kind of lessen the, the trips that they would have to make. But, you know, he would like to. But then, you know – he also brought up another interesting point, and that was the NFL. He said what the NFL should do is they should purchase stadium in Hawaii where they play the Pro Bowl, and they should fix it up, and they should bring two teams to Hawaii every year. Not necessarily put a team there, but bring teams to Hawaii, two teams a year to Hawaii to play in Hawaii. Uh, and he said, but the NFL would have to make a deal where Hawaii doesn't jack up the prices on its hotels, the air travel the restaurants because he goes that's what they do during the pro bowl is it's they make it ridiculously expensive to go there hawaii does so uh but he said it would be pretty cool to play a game in hawaii bring two teams to hawaii why do we go to london when we could stay in the united states and play in hawaii uh if they would fix up that stadium so i thought that was an interesting idea i said you should talk to roger goodell about that and he said, yeah he goes i might but uh but yeah i i i don't i would like to see i you know, I, I've come around on this London idea. I, I wouldn't mind seeing a team over there, two teams. I think it would be kind of cool uh, to, to uh, play over in London and kind of make that part of the NFL circuit. And, uh, you know, I really think that they sell out those games over there. So it's very popular over there uh, in, in England. And it's getting more and more popular, like you mentioned. And um, they don't necessarily bring the team. When they first started this, they brought the teams over there for a full week, remember? And they practiced there and they had press conferences there and, it was this big deal. Now these teams don't begin to arrive until later in the week, so it's become more more routine to have games there. But that hasn't lessened the impact on fans. They still love it. They still pack those stadiums. Uh, and I, I think I think the NFL, believe it or not, is heading that direction. They just have to figure out how to get franchises over there. Will it be an existing one like Jacksonville, or will they create one, um, you know, in an expansion mode, or, or will they try to find another uh, struggling franchise to move that way? Um, you know, the Chargers would have made sense. You know, I don't know how welcome they are in L.A., but, but they're not going to move all the way across, you know, the continental U.S. and then fly across, you know, across the ocean to set up shop in England. So, you know, that's the issue is how do you get at least one team, if not two teams, in there? And I, I really think Goodell is kind of committed to seeing if he can't make that happen. 
Well, you know, the Chargers uh, probably aren't going to be welcoming in L.A. much longer if the Rams keep doing uh, what they're doing. Well, let's kind of get through these games. We'll start with your game uh, tomorrow. Uh, The Birds do travel to London to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars played a very tight game against the Chargers, and it came down to the wire. Chargers get the W, though. Uh, At the end of the day, that's what matters, the the, the W's and the L's. And the Eagles are definitely in need of a huge uh, change and a huge win in London uh, to turn your season around there. Yeah, and, and the Jags and they're in the same boat. You know, these are two teams that were part of the final four of the NFL last year, both played in the championship games uh, of their conferences. So uh, both teams are at three and four. Um, you know, the, the thing is, is the Jaguars are used to playing over there. Now, I know you could say it's different teams, but the core players remain. Doug Marone has been the coach. Uh, whether as the head coach or an assistant since 2015, they've this is their sixth appearance at Wem- Wembley Stadium, the Jaguars, and they're they're three and two in those games uh, that they've played over there, and they've had eight, uh, they forced eight turnovers, and they've only thrown one interception, so they actually played pretty well over in Wembley for whatever reason, and they are used to it. To me, I think the Eagles they flew out there Thursday night after practice on a red eye. Uh, and they needed to get sleep on the plane. A lot of the players did not sleep very well on the plane. They had to get up. They had to go uh, check into their hotel, and then they went right to practice. So basically they were up all day Friday uh, after meetings, practice, checking into the hotel, and I'm not sure that was a really good idea. I was surprised they went over later in the week. I thought they might go over Wednesday, but uh, Peterson said that's the way they did it when he was in Kansas City with the Chiefs and Andy Reid in 2015. They went over on Thursday, and, and they won that game. So – He's kind of following that same playbook. I'm not sure it might have been the best idea, but uh, two desperate teams, the Eagles playing on foreign soil for the first time. The Jaguars are familiar with the logistics involved. I, I, for some reason, you know, I, I think the Jaguars might find a way to win this game. Blake Bortles got a little disrespect in the locker room by Malcolm Jenkins this week when Malcolm was talking about uh, his little flare-up with Eric Reed before the game last week and Colin Kaepernick. He said, all I have to do – is look at our opponent this week to see that Colin Kaepernick deserves a job in the NFL, you know, which is a clear slap at Blake Bortles. And, you know, obviously Blake Bortles hasn't played well. He was benched last week. Uh, you know, the Jags haven't scored a first half point in three straight games. They've been out scored 57 to nothing in the first half of those games. Uh, but, you know, the Eagles really collapsed last week against the Panthers and that might give them some motivation, obviously to play a full 60 minutes. But I, For some reason, I just think the Jags' familiarity with London is going to find a way for them to get a win in this game. Well, a couple of housekeeping things with the Eagles, and we'll get on to some of these uh, other games. Uh, the Eagles rule out Corey Graham and list uh, Holotage Nanage, whatever his name is, as questionable. Uh, that's going to be uh, an issue. And the, the other really long name that you guys need to sign is Hobie Machado. Malafani? I do not know how to say that, and I'll clearly admit that, but uh, certainly uh, uh, he cleared waivers. Uh, The Eagles uh, should strongly consider uh, signing uh, the former uh, second-round safety, Obi Malafonia? It's times like this, this, uh, you miss, uh, um, what was his name? Now I got a brain fart. Rodney McLeod, right? McLeod? Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah, right. And a much easier name to say than whatever that name is you're trying to say. Um, O-B-I-F-O-N-W-U. Uh, yeah. yeah, the Eagles He's have the holes that they need filled. Yeah, they, you know, they could they use a safety? Sure. But could they use a running back? Yeah, they could use a wide receiver. Absolutely. Um, 
but you know the Eagles are sitting at three and four. If they lose this game on Sunday for the Jags, they're three and five. The trade deadline is Tuesday at four o'clock. The Sally Roseman who makes these decisions does he decide that hey we're sitting at three and five we can still make a run at this thing and try to trade for somebody or does he say you know what I'm going to hang on to my draft collateral because you know realistically at three and five we're not going anywhere um, I think you have to make an effort to get somebody I don't know who it will be you mentioned Corey Graham being inactive again this is his third straight week he has missed. The Eagles said playing a rookie at safety, Avante Maddox, who never played safety in his life, had to learn it on the fly this year. Hasn't been too much of an issue for them. I think the, where they miss McLeod is in the communication area, kind of you know diagnosing an offense, what they want to do with you, and then lining your guys up. I'm not sure Maddox has that grasp uh, of opponents' defenses. Of course, how could he? He's a rookie. McLeod, who was in the league for so many years. Um, but, you know, obviously running back, they – you know they're not running the ball at all very well. They're putting a lot on Carson Wentz's shoulders to do things. And uh, you know you mentioned Haloti Nada, the defensive tackle. This would be he's already missed three games in a row. So with this calf injury and the Eagles behind Fletcher Cox have nobody you've ever heard of. Trayvon Hester and uh, Bruce Hector uh, are two guys that were on the practice squad earlier this year, and they're you know one of them is starting, and the other one, you know, he's coming off the bench and playing a lot of snaps. So. You know, they could use a D-tackle, but, you know, Tim Jernigan hasn't played this year. He was a big part of their Super Bowl team last year. He had back surgery. Uh, you know, Doug Peterson said that maybe he's going to return at some point this season, but, you know, he doesn't know. So, you know, the Eagles have a lot of issues, and uh, I'm not sure a trade is going to fix what they need because they need they need a lot, to be honest. And at 3-4, and four, maybe 3-5 and five after this weekend, what impetus do they have to make a deal? I know the NFC East is wide open, but, uh, you know, sure you get in the playoffs and then what happens? Are you one and done? Can you make a, a realistic charge to the Super Bowl? These are all decisions they have to make in the next, you know, 72 hours here. Well, let's kind of go around the league, get into some of these games as many as we can. We're talking with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, and our official NFL contributor. Let's talk a little bit about the Baltimore Ravens at the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Still, Carolina Panthers do what they do, and they find ways to win. They find ways to beat you. Uh, But the Ravens uh, give them a a midway thumbs up to thumbs down uh, season start so far. Uh, But uh, the Baltimore Ravens at the Carolina Panthers, sir. Yeah, uh, like you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the Eagles uh, blew that lead, 17 nothing. Looked like, you know, the Panthers had one foot on the plane to go back to Carolina, and they came roaring back to win win the game with uh, three red zone touchdowns in the last ten and a half minutes of the game. So, you know, they're, they're riding high. Um, but, you know, Baltimore's playing well. I, I know they've lost a couple lately. Uh, the game's in Carolina. I think the Panthers are feeling good about themselves, and, um, why not? I, I think the Panthers are going to find a way to win this game, and they have to do it to keep pace with the New Orleans Saints in that AFC or uh, NFC South. Well, the Cleveland Browns have Baker Mayfield. The uh, Pittsburgh Steelers have uh... – <laughs> who's the quarterback for the Steelers? I See, this is what happens when you get – Big Ben. Big Ben, Big Roethlisberger. Ben Good God Almighty! Yeah, it just, it just went right in my ear and out my ear. But uh, uh, Baker Mayfield, I mean, <laughs> certainly you got to be impressed with your rookie quarterback. You certainly got to be impressed with your fan because they've actually been able to to put together some uh, somewhat of a decent uh, showing, if you will, especially compared to where 
you got a lot to compare to against Browns in the past. So uh, by all accounts, the Browns are having a very successful season. I just don't know that they're good enough to go into Pittsburgh and win. Well, you know, this game, they, they tied in the season opener, right? That game was played in the hurricane and, uh, or, you know, a tornado, whatever it was. I mean, there was a lot of rain that day in Cleveland and they finished in a tie. Um, but yeah, this is a game to me, the Steelers have to win. Um, if they want to win that division, they can't lose to the Cleveland Browns. The Browns are playing well. Of course, they traded Carlos Hyde running back and they, they, you know, for more of a feature role for Nick Chubb and, you know, we'll see how that pans out in the long run. I think it's a good deal. I think Chubb's a talented back. Um, you know, you see what Sony Michelle, his running mate there at Georgia, is doing in New England. Now, I think he got a little mixed up. Uh, Sony Michelle did, but you know, I think it's a good. I think it's a good move. I think you know, you hot, you spotlight uh, Chubb. You have Mayfield, uh, and you, you know, these guys are young guys. And each game, each week that you know goes along here, they're going to get better and better, hopefully, and they're going to continue to develop if the coaching staff is is doing what they're supposed to do. So. Uh, you know, the Browns are good. They're, they're going to be good. I'm just not sure this is a good spot for them this week in Pittsburgh with a Steelers team that, uh, you know, is still missing Le'Veon Bell, obviously. You don't know what the situation is with them. But uh, certainly they have enough playmakers on offense with Roethlisberger and, uh, you know, Antonio Brown, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. So, I mean, they, they, they've got enough there to get the job done, and I like them being at home. So I think the Steelers will win this game. The Denver Broncos go into Kansas City at Arrowhead with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, probably one of the the, the best rookie that we've seen this this year, uh, and certainly uh, one of the certainly just a stud all the way around. I don't see any way any way at all that the Broncos go into Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, you might not say it's a hostile environment, but it's a loud environment. And Kansas City Chiefs and the Broncos, I think the Broncos just need to just uh, get this one over with and get on the, the plane and go back to Denver. <laughs> it, it does look like a mismatch, but, you know, again, it's an, you know, it's a division game. And, you know, sometimes these division games, because, you know, these teams don't like each other, they play one another twice a year. Uh, you know, they can go in an unexpected way, and maybe Denver can find a way. I, I would be surprised for sure. I think Kansas City will win this game. And, you know, in Denver, they're talking about having a fire sale of their own, uh, kind of like the Raiders are having, and maybe getting rid of Demarius Thomas, their, their wide receiver, uh, trading him. You know, there are a lot of needy teams out there at receivers, so maybe he becomes a target of some of these teams. And then, you know, they're talking about maybe even turning over that secondary, Bradley Roby, getting rid of him, or Chris Harris trading him. And I, I know the Eagles have been talking to the Broncos quite a bit about that possibility. So, you know, again, if, if the Broncos lose, where are they going? So maybe they become a, a seller and they start selling off some of their pieces. If they win, and I don't think they will, then, you know, maybe they hang on to some of those guys and see if they can't make a run. But, you know, I don't expect that to happen. I think the Chiefs will win this one pretty easily. Broncos will begin their their own version of the Raiders fire sale. Well, the Jets uh, go to Chicago to a very improved Chicago Bears. Uh, uh, Mitchell Trubisky, uh, quarterback there. Uh, certainly, I think the Bears have improved enough that you got to give them a win over the Jets. Yeah, I, you know, the, and the Bears played the, the Patriots really tough last week. You know, that was a dogfight for Tom Brady and the Patriots uh, to go into Chicago and find a way to put up, I think it was 38 points and win that game. And, uh, you know, now you have a, a Jets team that's coming uh, into Soldier Field and uh, bringing their rookie quarterback with them. And, 
you know, the Bears are in need of a win. You know, they're three and three. They've they've lost. You know, they got off to a hot start, kind of settled down a little bit here. And I think the big issue is Talil Mack. I think is is questionable for this game with some sort of an injury. So, you know, if he doesn't play, that'll make things a little more comfortable for for Sam Darnold. If he plays, then you know, I don't think Darnold will will feel very comfortable most of the day. So, uh, whether Mack plays or not, I think the Bears just have a better roster and, and they'll find a way, uh, you know, to win this game at home and kind of you know right the ship a little bit. They're sitting at 500. Uh, I think they were three and one at one point. So they they really need to uh, find their way again here. Uh, and I think they'll do it against the Jets for sure. Joining us now is Mo from the BS Sports Show. Uh, Mo, we're going to get into some uh, talk about the World Series here in just a minute, and we're going to get into uh, some betting stuff, and we're talking a little bit of uh, football. We were just talking a little bit of, about uh, the Bears and the Jets. Uh, obviously, the Bears is your your love team, if you will. Uh, <laughs> but uh, how are you, sir? Good. Actually, the uh, the Bears are just a team I covered. The Colts are actually my team. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. Well, we're going to get into that one here. Just Why don't we just start there? Uh, Colts are at the Raiders. They are not at home this weekend because, well, the FFA is here. Future Farmers of America and the president's going to be here tonight. So, I mean, heck, there's other things going on in Lucas Oil Stadium. So, they got to, they got to head up to the Black Hole on a Halloween weekend. I can't think of a better place to go if you got to go somewhere on Halloween. When I go to the Black Hole, we'll start with you, Mo. Uh, that didn't really sound very good. Uh, I hope I don't get in trouble for saying that. But the, the Black Hole, Oakland, Oakland Raiders and the, and the Indianapolis Colts. The Indianapolis Colts had a great win last week, even though it was only the Bills. It was a win, and I do think definitely they can beat the Raiders at home. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, the difference is I think you see the Colts who are trying to win football games and the Raiders who seem like they're not uh, at this point. Uh, you know, there were some questions whether uh, Adam Vinatieri would play. It looks like he's going to. Uh, it looks like Jack Doyle will be back for the Colts. Uh, the Colts actually showed signs of a, uh, of a running game last week. And, you know, Andrew Luck, with, you know, the way he's been protected so far this year by this offensive line, uh, it, you know, he's been able to make plays. Uh, when he's had guys on the field who can make plays, you know, getting T.Y. Hilton back was uh, was nice. He's made uh, Eric Ebron look like, uh, you know, he should have still been in Detroit uh, catching football, like they shouldn't have got rid of him. Uh, I think this should be an easy win for the Colts. Uh, you know, there's uh, lots of questions everywhere on the Oakland Raiders, so I think it's a, it's a Colts victory in Oakland. Uh, Ed, what are your thoughts? Uh, the, the Colts at the Raiders. Yeah, uh, I, I like what Frank Reich has done with luck, you know, he is being well protected, but some of that is a scheme too, in terms of getting rid of the ball a little more quickly. He's not holding on to the ball as long. And, you know, of course a good running game helps keep your quarterback healthy too. And, and the Colts are doing that. And, you know, I think we talked earlier, you know, we're reaching the halfway point of the season and, you know, the Colts have had some tough losses this year um, that, you know, now maybe they're kind of starting to learn how to win that win over the bills was, was big and, and now you go in to play a team at one and five in the Raiders that Mo said doesn't seem to have any interest in winning. And he's right. Uh, you know, the way they're just kind of trading away some of their best players. So uh, I think this should be an easy win too, for the Colts. Again, it's on the road, but how much interest is there still in that black hole uh, of a team that is sitting at one and five Gruden's getting rid of, you know, players who a lot of those fans have jerseys of Amari Cooper and Khalil Mack are probably big Jersey sellers out there in the Bay Area, and now they're not there, and pretty soon their team won't be either when they go to Vegas. So I'm not sure how big of a home field advantage that is for Oakland. So I think India will win this game uh, fairly easily. They should. 
Well, certainly hope so. Certainly hope so, because then that was what we call a streak after that happens. Mo, uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on, as we, as we get ready to talk about uh, the Seattle Seahawks at Detroit Lions? The Detroit Lions have improved themselves greatly. Matthew Stafford uh, and uh, uh, the bearded man with pencil uh, seem to start beginning to figure things out. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, it just depends, I think, on what week that we're watching where they figure things out. They get big wins, and they have some terrible losses. Uh, but, you know, Matthew Stafford uh, has had a, a glimpse of a running game at times this year, which has been nice. You know, we've seen him have a 100-yard rusher a couple of times. Um, it, it, overall game standpoint, uh, I, I think I probably like the Lions to win this game at home. But from a betting standpoint, uh, it's hard for me not to take the Seahawks getting points on the road. Uh, you know, Russell Wilson is still a threat whenever he's out there. Uh, you know, this seems like it would probably be a high-scoring game. Uh, Seattle's defense not great anymore. Uh, you know, and Detroit's defense has been known to give up a, a good number of points. So, uh, if you're betting on the game, I like the Seahawks and taking the points and, and probably the over. But I do think that Detroit uh, probably wins a close game. Yeah, and the, and the spread on that, I believe, is three uh, on that. And I'm still looking at the site that you sent me last night. Uh, uh, Mo, show you how much I don't do betting. I'm winging it here when I'm looking at this, so I don't know exactly what I'm looking at. So if I give the wrong number, you you promptly put me in in my place. But I think that the spread is three. Okay, I'll, I'll, you can you can learn us both here. Okay, so it says uh, minus three, forty nine point five o dash u. Lions sixty five percent. So the forty nine and a half is the over under of how many total points scored between both teams. Uh, the minus three is that the the Lions are given three at home. You always look, don't look at the first number because that's always where it opened. Uh, and then the number as, it's, uh, as it is stands at this second, which it could change even during the show, uh, is the number. So the minus three right now is correct. Detroit is given three points at home, and the over-under uh, is that number. Got it. All right. Well, I'll keep that in mind as we get into our, our betting segment here in just a few minutes. Uh, Ed, uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, the, the Seattle Seahawks and the Detroit Lions, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, that over-under number is interesting, and maybe you can get into it in the betting segment with Mo because, you know, NFL games this year going into last weekend, I think they were averaging about 48.6 points per game between the two teams. So, uh, I don't know if that over number number has come up, uh, you know, has risen because of that or not. But you know, forty nine and a half point over under on the Lions and the and the Seahawks seems like uh, you know kind of what the average has been this year in terms of team scoring points. So I think it will be a high scoring game. I think you know, Carry on Johnson has kind of been the key to the Lions resurgence here. You know, they're giving him the ball. He had a 158 yards rushing, I think it was last week, and um, you know they're they're getting yards on the ground now. And again, the running game is huge, and I think you're seeing that's why Matt Stafford has been more effective too, is because they are mixing in the run. You know, they had that long streak where they didn't have a running back over 100 yards, and Stafford had to do way too much. So now you're seeing a little bit more balance with the emergence of Carry On Johnson. I, you know, I think the Lions will win. I, you know, I don't because I like it being a home game. Um, but the Seahawks are playing better, and it's not going to be an easy win. And that line of whatever it is, three and a half or three points, uh, you know, they, the Seahawks might be able to cover that, uh, even if the Lions were to win. 
All right, well, let's uh, get into some uh, talk about the World Series, and we'll get into our betting segment, and uh, we'll, we'll uh, toss in some uh, more NFL while we're there. And, Ed, you're more than welcome to stick around with us here. But we got to talk a little bit about this big win against the, the Dodgers, against the Red Sox. Uh, you could say that the Dodgers got a late win if you're in L.A. maybe, but if you're here in Indianapolis, you didn't get to bed till like 3 o'clock in the freaking morning. 18 innings, probably every World Series record as far as length of game, uh, change of players, uh, change of pitchers uh, was broken last night. Uh, I tell you what, it's the World Series. But I tell you what, the Dodgers really showed they won it. Maybe they'll win tonight, and uh, uh, we'll see if they can tie it up. But uh, the Red Sox are hot, hot, hot. Uh, but at least the Dodgers were able to, to cool them down just a little bit in a huge win uh, at home in, in the Dodgers last night, 3-2 to two in 18 freaking innings. That's two games, by the way. That's a doubleheader if you want to look at it like that. Go ahead, Mo. Yeah, I mean, you know, first off, I want to say that I, I do despise the Dodgers and Red Sox both after doing that to me last night when I had to work this morning. Um, but you know, what bothers me the most, I think if I'm, if I'm a Dodgers fan is, is the regression of Kenley Jansen, their closer, uh, you know, he's had some issues, had to adjust medications he was taking, uh, at this one point during the season. And he just, he doesn't look as confident, uh, to me as he did, you know, the past few years as I watched the Cubs play the Dodgers in the national league playoffs. So for me, uh, him giving up that home run in the eighth inning to tie the game, uh, you know, is concerning. The the Dodgers bullpen is not near as good as it was last year, uh, with you know Jansen not being as, as healthy and and uh, Mario being uh, signed by the Cubs last year. So uh, that would concern me. I think if I'm a Dodgers fan at this point, and you know the analytics, I think of the first couple of games you saw with Bellinger not playing and Muncy not playing. I think at this point you got to throw that out the window, man. You put your best your best players on the field, whether it's against a right-hander or a left-hander. I think that. Uh, it really hurts the Dodgers the first couple of games. I don't like it when you're you're going to play games regardless of what the analytics say when your best players are on the field, and I think that was a huge mistake on Dave Roberts' part. Uh, you know, the Dodgers have a little bit of momentum, but <clears throat> we'll be interesting to see what happens tonight when all, you know, when you use so many players uh, in a game like last night. Uh, hopefully it'll be a decent game, but, uh, you know, sometimes it, it tends to be a lackluster game after a lit game like this and another game the next day where you are pulling out all the stops because you're, you're you're trying to win the World Series, but if you're the Dodgers, you had to stay in the series. So uh, we'll see what it's like. I think the Red Sox have too much firepower, and I think the Red Sox ultimately will win the World Series. Well, I absolutely think that you're right, but it is fun to see it. I'm a National League guy, obviously, being a Cardinal fan. Uh, I would have liked to see the Brewers get in it, uh, but at the end of the day, uh, it's the Dodgers and the Red Sox. Uh, Ed, uh, I tell you what, it's hard to root against uh, the Red Sox, uh, well, unless you're a Yankees fan, and it's very easy to root against the Red Sox. Uh, but the Red Sox are, are red hot, and and I, I don't know that uh, that we see anything. And, you know, we might want to draw a comparison. We might be seeing a World Se- a New England World Series champion, and maybe, possibly, because it's New England, we might see a, a Rams and, and Patriots uh, Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, maybe. Um I, this might be a good time for me to jump off, actually, Tom, because I, I haven't watched more than five minutes of the World Series, to be honest with you. But I, I'll <laughs> say this. Um, a, a friend and colleague of mine who was in London covering uh, Sunday's game with the Eagles and Jaguars, he, he texted me this morning and he said he woke up in London this morning, went down to the hotel restaurant, and the World Series game was still, being, was still on uh, over there in London. He, he said he couldn't believe it, that he went to bed. Uh, <laughs> You know, he woke up and the World Series game was still going on. So to me, 
baseball has, a, you know, to me, a real problem. I mean, who is up at that hour, unless you're a diehard fan or living regionally in Boston or Los Angeles to watch that game at what, whatever time it ended, three in the morning? I mean, that's just a, that's just way too long. These start times for these World Series games are way too late. You're losing the younger generation kids that that aren't going to care about baseball because they're not watching it. I mean, to me, they need to make some changes, maybe play some games on the weekends and start, you know, an actual, you know, where you don't have to be a vampire to watch these games. You can actually sit on the afternoon and watch a World Series game on a Saturday uh, or even late in the day. But I I just think they need to start these games sooner. They're losing a fan base. Uh, Baseball has a problem to me. I mean, these games take way too long. 18 innings aside, with all the pitching changes and analytics and, you know, trying to work these walks and, uh, you know, it's just, it, to me, it's a problem. And I hate to see it because I love baseball. I love watching baseball. But, you know, I just I haven't had a whole lot of interest in this World Series. So um, I'll leave you on that note. Uh, we'll, 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 let, we'll let you go. Go ahead, Mo. And I have a quick question for you. I, I agree 100% with what you said. I, I have younger kids, though, and I think, the one thing that, you know, I was ta- I have a 15-year-old, and we were talking this morning about it, that, you know, I agree it was way too long for a baseball game. And it, it, but the one thing that, that she brought up was she liked the fact that there was a winner. You know, she's a big football fan, but her biggest uh, complaint this year has been, you know, the number of ties in the NFL after investing three and a half hours into a, a football game and not getting a winner. Is there any way that you see on the horizon that – Somehow, even if the NFL doesn't adopt the college overtime rules, that we we get to where we have a winner. I think you know a few years back, for some that hurt hockey when you would invest so much time uh, and, and not have a winner. Is there a way that the NFL fixes that problem? Yeah, that's a good question. I love the way college football settles ties. You know, with the twenty-five yard line. I know in high school, at least in Pennsylvania, they they put the ball at the ten-yard line uh, to determine a winner, which is you know that's even really a lot more fun to watch, but, uh, you know, you, you look at the, the, the pace of play in football, you know, the wear and tear on the bodies in the NFL. And I know they shortened the overtime to 10 minutes after they had put another 15 minutes up there. And, uh, I think that has led to, I think two ties this season, two games that have ended in a tie. And, and, and I agree with your daughter. I hated ties in the NHL. When you watch the NHL, I like that they have a winner. Um, I think the shootout's pretty cool to watch. So yeah, maybe you're right. Mo, the NFL has to find a way to have a winner. You know, you don't like ties. Uh, nobody likes a tie. So they do have to find a way, but I, I just don't know how. I don't know what the answer is because, like I said, it is such a, a grueling game, a physically played game, that to add another, you know, however long it takes to find a winner could be detrimental to the health of these players. So uh, maybe it is time to look at that college rule. I love that college rule at the 25-yard line. But I think the NFL tries to keep itself separate from college. So maybe they don't do it. Maybe you put it at the 50-yard line or the 40-yard line and let them try it from there. I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but this is the best they got, and it doesn't always produce the outcome you hope for uh, by finding a winner. But, you know, we'll see. And I don't think you can do that in baseball. I think you just got to play however many innings it takes to, to find a winner. And if it's 18, if you're playing that game on a Saturday, it's starting at 4 o'clock, then the game's over at, you know, maybe 9 o'clock or whatever time it is, and it's much more reasonable to watch. And people are sitting in bars watching that game. But, you know, here in the East, if that game ends at 3 in the morning, they're getting kicked out of bars at 2 in the morning. There's still no winner. And what are you going to do, go home and turn on the television and, and, and sit there and watch the last hour of a baseball game? I mean, that, that's not a very good uh, way to do business if you're the MLB. 
Well, at the same time, though, guys, and we'll, we'll wrap it up because I know that you got to go. At the same time, we're talking about the MLB and the t- starting time. When you go 18 innings, you start the game at 8 o'clock. I mean, 18 innings is going to take a while to play. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, don't, I, I don't know. Um, maybe you start them at 7. I know they want fans to come home and have dinner. and But, you know, I, I just think you need to start these games a little bit more at a reasonable hour where, where kids are actually up, especially on weeknights where, you know, kids have to get up for school. Teenage kids have to get up early to go to high school. Yeah. Uh, it, it just makes no sense that these games should be ending after midnight. It really doesn't. No, I agree with you. I agree with you there. But on the on the flip side of it, though, if you look at the markets, uh, they they are out in L.A. If you start at seven right. o'clock, that's four o'clock, and you look at L.A. traffic and people getting off work, it's going to hurt attendance and ticket sales, even if it is the World Series. But we'll leave it at that, yep. uh, and we'll make we'll make that the last word. Uh, Ed, uh, uh, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, our official NFL contributor. Where can people find your work and your masterpieces, sir? Yeah, check out my website. It's footballmaven.io slash eagles, uh, and I have all my eagles work there. Uh, you know, bookmark it, check it out from time to time, and uh, leave me a comment. Let me know how you like it. We'll uh, talk soon. All right, thanks, guys. Have a good weekend. Thanks. Ed Kratz, uh, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, joins us. Joining us now is Marvin from the BS Sports Show. We're going to uh, kind of get into these betting lines, and I'll have to admit, uh, Mo, that site you sent me, my phone went dead, so I'm going to have to rely on just good old-fashioned other stuff that, that the spread may not be as accurate as it, as it is, but at least it gets, it gets us to a point of, of, con- of conversation, if, if you will. Uh, so, uh, Mo, let's talk a little bit, though, uh, about Clemson and Florida State. Huge, huge game. Uh, big rivalry. Uh, uh, Florida State has been on a roll since Kentucky. Um, and so it looks like Florida State, a plus 17. And I, I, I'm going to go, I don't know what these numbers mean, so I'm just going to kind of tell you what it says and you tell me what it means. And Clemson, um, minus 778. So we got Florida State, plus 17, and Clemson, minus 778. Yeah, so that's breaking it down by quarter. If you're not an experienced better, trying to bet by quarters or halves is, is not the thing for you to do. So if you want, we can we can skip those numbers because, honestly, if you, if you haven't done it much, it's, it's not the way to get started. It's do the stuff that you can figure out and you already know, and, and that's the best way to do it because those lines change as the game happens as well. So you've got to be really up on top of it if you're doing those. Uh, you know, Clemson, you know, Florida State has played better since Kentucky, but – you know, Clemson, they can be the role stopper for a team like this because Clemson, uh, you know, still is no joke. Uh, yeah, they struggled at times, but they've also just beat people's brains in, too. Um, you know, games with big point spreads are things normally that I stay away from, especially in college, uh, just because there's so many variables. But uh, for this game, I mean, if I was putting my money on it, and, and I wouldn't on this game, but if I was, I would take Clemson and give the points just because you would have to prove to me that, that Clemson is not that good. And, man, they've the last couple of weeks they've played pretty darn good. So I would take Clemson, give them points, but uh, but not a game normally uh, that I would put my money on. So we're going to skip the actual uh, betting odds. If, if they are better, they can look it up online. We'll just kind of go through these games. And you just give me your thoughts on the game. Uh, While well, we still have a few minutes here. Uh, let's go to the other Florida game. Now, this is going to be a big one. It's uh, uh, number nine, Florida, against number seven, Georgia. Georgia Bulldogs are 
or uh, huge, huge. It's yeah. down in, or uh, I don't know it's, it's uh, I think it's in Orlando. Yeah, it's in Orlando. Uh, so uh, the Florida Gators, huge, I mean, I'm sorry, I said Florida Gators. No, I was right, Florida Gators. Uh, and uh, the number seven Georgia Bulldogs, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, a lot of people have been tripping that Florida's back uh, already, and, and they do have a talented squad. I don't know that this may be a little bit premature, uh, but I don't think Florida's all the way back yet. Uh, Georgia, to me, still is, is just so good, uh, both on offense and defense. I, I love Jake Fromm, the quarterback, as I've said it before. Uh, I think Georgia's still the better team. I think Florida is beginning to rebuild to be somebody really good again after a bunch of down years. I don't think they're there yet. I think, uh, you know, Georgia, especially with being there last year in the playoffs, they, they, they know how big this game is. I think you see Georgia come out and just lay it on Florida uh, early. I don't know that it's a, a game to where, uh, you know, it's a, a game to where Georgia wins it big, but I think Georgia realizes what this means. I mean, obviously Florida does too, but I, just, I don't think Florida's all the way back. I think this is a game that Georgia wins. Well, I'll tell you what, we've got a big game in Annapolis today. The Navy against the midshipmen against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Obviously, Notre Dame undefeated, number three, hoping to run the table. Uh, but certainly it's a huge – it would be a huge win for both teams, but it would be a bigger loss for Notre Dame if they get beat by Navy today. Uh, yeah, for sure. And it, it was cool that it was announced coming up in, in a couple of years that they're going to be playing this game in Dublin, Ireland. So that would be neat to look forward to in 2020. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, and this is this has been a place to where you know when Notre Dame has has struggled in the past, they've lost dumb games, and you know they did it just a few years back uh, to Navy. You know, Navy's still a fun team the way they uh, they run their offense, and now uh, and it's going to be something I think a little different than Notre Dame's seen all year long. Uh, and the atmosphere there, I, I've been to a game in Annapolis, and the atmosphere at Navy is just unbelievable. Uh, so I think it's going to be big uh, time. Uh, you know, that Notre Dame comes out and establishes not only their offensively, but their defense. I, I think, uh, you know, it, it takes an adjustment when you play one of these uh, these uh, academy schools where they tend to run uh, stuff that's non-traditional because, you know, they have to work with what they have for people who go, you know, to enroll in these academies. So uh, I think it's important for Notre Dame to establish their uh, their defense early so that they can handle the, uh, the different types, different looks they're going to have thrown at them. And uh, obviously I think it's going to be important uh, that, you know, Notre Dame's going to be able to control their side of the ball on offense. Uh, you know, they've, they've got to get that running game going a little bit more, which opens that uh, passing game for Book to uh, throw the ball around the field, which he struggled with uh, just a couple of weeks ago. So uh, I look for Notre Dame to win this football game. Obviously, Notre Dame uh, hasn't been ranked this high, uh, you know, and, and been looking at it in the college playoff picture for a little bit. Uh, so I think it's in, in, they realize, again, how important this game is. You've got uh, – I think they found their quarterback, and uh, I think this is a Notre Dame victory. Let's go over to the Big Ten here. Let's talk about Ohio State getting beat pretty handily, 49-20 uh, to 20, uh, against Purdue. Purdue, that was a big win for them. Uh, certainly, I think that, that they're going to have to win out to even to get considered to be in the playoffs. Uh, at the same time, they're going to probably end up playing them or Wisconsin uh, in the Big Ten Championship. I think a lot of people think it's going to be Michigan and uh, Wisconsin in the Big Ten in the Big Ten Championship. Ohio State's got the, the bye this week. But, man, uh, when uh, I tell you what, when you look at a loss like that, and if they get beat by Michigan, I mean, they've got to win out in order to even remotely consider to be 
Yeah, I mean, I think they definitely have to, to win out. But I think what could wind up happening is because, you know, we talked about this even a year ago that, you know, Jeff Brown has something special going on at Purdue. And, uh, you know, if Purdue winds up winning their half uh, of the Big Ten Conference, the loss won't look as bad for Ohio State. But to me, you know, there's been issues uh, for Ohio State all year. You know, they, their offense has been able to, to you know, be able to uh, make up for the deficiencies of, of their depleted defense. Uh, but, you know, the problem is when, when you're not establishing a running game, when you're relying and living and dying by the pass, sooner or later that's going to come to bite you. And, and I think what you're going to see is, is other teams copying uh, what Purdue did to, uh, to beat this football team. I don't think that Ohio State wins out. I think they're going to suffer another loss at some point. Uh, and for this Purdue team, uh, you know, they were, they were, uh, they were pretty incredible. I don't, I can't, not being a, a fan of either team, I can't remember a, a college football game that I've watched in recent memory to where I've been more emotionally invested in that football game, not just because of the Tyler Trent story, but just because of that, the gritty way that Purdue played it. I just wanted to watch him just keep scoring and scoring last week. It was, it was such a, a great game to watch. Uh, but no, I think, I think Ohio state's in trouble. And I really believe, uh, that uh, should they not make the playoffs again and have a, a down year, I really believe you could see uh, this be the last season that Urban Meyer is there. I think I, I think that all along I said that earlier in the show that this team looks a lot like the Florida team that Urban Meyer had in in its last year. So uh, we'll see what happens. Let's stay, let's stick around in the Big Ten a little bit. You got number eighteen, at number seventeen, Penn at number eighteen Iowa. I'm sorry, at number seventeen uh, Penn State. We've seen how good Iowa is. Absolutely a a very very good football team. I think Penn State is very very good at home. This is a game that Penn State should win. But at the same time, don't go to sleep on Iowa. No, and, and what concerns me is how many points that the Penn State defense has continued to give up, uh, you know, numerous weeks in a row. Uh, you know, they won the football game last week, but they should have never let, you know, Indiana put those type of points on them. And it's no disrespect to Indiana, but, you know, we one of the things we counted on, I think, this year uh, before the season started was, you know, for Penn State's defense being a really good defense again. And, you know, you look over the past three or four games, they've they've really let up a lot of points. So, with this Iowa team, that would concern me if I'm a Penn State fan. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Penn State got the ship righted after their, uh, their win last week. Uh, I, I would say that Penn State wins this football game, but it's one of those ones that, that their defense just scares me. So uh, I would say it's probably a Penn State win, but, uh, but don't, you're, like you said, don't sleep on Iowa. Well, we'll see. We'll definitely see what happens. Let's go through some of these other uh, other games, if, if you will, and just kind of going through there quickly. Though I want to get your thoughts on this uh, uh, West Virginia Mountaineers game beat over Baylor. They beat the shenanigans out of out of the Baylor Bears. Not that Baylor's that good, but did we really know how good the the uh, West Virginia Mountaineers are? I think we do, and I think that they've got to start getting a look when it comes to committee time. Yeah, I think what they've got to do, you know, the one thing that uh, has has, stro- has hurt them is, uh, you know, the inconsistent play. They've, they've laid beatings on people and then come out against the dog and, and, you know, win the game but look terrible for three quarters. So I think the one thing that's held West Virginia back the last couple of years is an untimely loss or just inconsistent play. I agree that there's a, there's a, a fun football team playing uh, down in Morgantown, and I, I do think they should get more love. But they're, they're a very – if you haven't watched them on TV yet, definitely watch this football team. They're a very fun football team to watch. 
Well, yeah, they are. Absolutely. I totally agree. Let's talk about a big upset that could happen this week uh, at Missouri. Kentucky is at Missouri. A lot of people like Kentucky, and if you're going with the favorite, go ahead and go with Kentucky. But if you're looking for an upset, there could be one right there. The Missouri Tigers uh, could definitely uh, upset the Kentucky Wildcats. Yeah, you know, Missouri's been quite a surprise. I, I think, you know, over the past few years they've had guys that have left to go to the NFL or guys who have gotten in trouble. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, this Missouri team uh, was expected to kind of be a doormat for a while, and they just haven't laid down to do that. And you got to like that kind of fight in a football team. It is fun to see Kentucky uh, playing so well after so many years of being a doormat in the SEC. I like the Kentucky Wildcats, but I think you're 100% correct that there could easily be an upset with this Missouri football team because the one thing that this team has, where the places where they lack talent, is a ton of heart. Uh, again, you've got to appreciate that just as a football fan. So I think Kentucky wins the football game, and I hope they continue to have success in the SEC just to see someone different doing that. But uh, I think it's a Kentucky win. Well, let's uh, talk about one more game before we got to wrap it up and put a bowl on it. Uh, Washington State, number 14, doesn't get a lot of love when it comes to the committee. Uh, they're playing number 24, Stanford. A lot of people think Stanford could beat uh, Washington State. Washington State needs this win. I do think that they could go to Stanford and get a win. I do, too, because we've seen Stanford in a couple of games this year just play absolutely terrible. It's it's like the, the team just didn't show up, which is, is weird to say when you've got a guy – uh, you know, who's considered to be a first-round draft pick on offense, and, and it was a, a Heisman contender at one point. Uh, there's just I, I can't explain a couple of these games where where Stanford's just disappeared to. Uh, you know, and Washington State uh, hit a bump in the road uh, a minute back, but uh, they're another team that's a very fun offense. Uh, you know, they're fun to watch, and not a lot of people know a lot about them because they play. Uh, you know on the West Coast, and so they're not talked about too much. And I think that does hurt a lot of Pac-12 teams uh, is, the, you know, the, the lack of hype that they get because of where they play, uh, because there is such an uneasy bias when it comes to, to sports media. Uh, but you're right. I mean, this Washington State team is a very fun team. I, and I think I agree. I think they get the win today against Stanford. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, wrap it up and put a bow on it. Thumbs up or thumbs down. The Dodgers tie up the series tonight. I'm going to say thumbs down, and, and the only reason is, is because I believe that Boston's bench is deeper, and, but I believe that their bullpen is better, and I think that's going to play huge into this game tonight after the, the game that we saw uh, last night take so long. Um, I, I think when you're uh, Alex Cora, the manager of the Red Sox, I think you've got more options uh, at, at pitcher uh, than the Dodgers do at this point, and so I, I think the Red Sox get the win tonight. So I'm going to say no, I... thumbs down. I totally agree with you. Thumbs down on that. We are in agreement on that. And and had we not went 18 innings, uh, I would say we're totally different. Uh, but you got we got to look at uh, they, they got to totally redo their 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 uh, their pitching and who's going to face who. Uh, as they probably had a lot of it planned out. If we go to this game, here's going to be pitching here. Who's going to be pitching here? But in all reality, as I said before, they played two games last night, so that's really going to mess with their their pitching in uh, the bullpen. As you mentioned, that the Red Sox are much deeper. So uh, we'll see what happens i'm still rooting for the national league but uh i think that window is getting uh, a little bit closer to being shut than open <laughs> yeah for sure i mean it's got to make you wonder if the dodgers lose again uh in the world series what does that do to that team and and to dave roberts so i mean i think there's more on the line tonight than just trying to get back in the series i i do honestly believe and it sounds insane to say but you know, a, a couple of uh, big money players and a guy like uh, Dave Roberts could actually be playing for, you know, coaching for his job, So, which is insane for a team that's made the World Series two years in a row. 
Mo from the BS Sports Show joins us. Mo, where can people find your work and your masterpieces, sir? Uh, well, today I guess on Twitter at Mo Radio Show, but <laughs> I haven't done anything masterful in a while, so. <laughs> okay, all right, buddy. We'll talk with you soon. We'll be safe and have yourself a good weekend, sir. All right, man. You too. Mo from the BS Sports Show joins us talking with us a little bit. Sorry, we got the the, uh, the betting lines all messed up, but I tell you what, if you're a better, you know how to read the odds and, and so forth. If you're not, uh, just go with what you got. It says just bet, just just bet what you can afford to lose. But we'll put it put it that way. My name is Saul Marquezel, Presidente. We'll be back next Saturday. I think we're going to get on board next weekend. <laughs> we keep saying this, I know, but I think we're going to get back on board with Breaking Rank uh, next Wednesday. So I will see see what, how that pans out. Have yourself a good week, guys, and remember, don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. My name is Saul Marquezel, Presidente. I'm out of here. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.